Hello, and welcome to the Friday, August 19th, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week on the podcast, Biden signs a sweeping climate, healthcare, and tax bill into law. Politicians descend on the Iowa State Fair for fried food and stump speeches, and a grassly warning of armed IRS agents ready to shoot business owners. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Barton, Deputy Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids, filling in for the illustrious Aaron Murphy, who is on a Ayahuasca retreat with Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Receiving Corps. Um, I told Aaron expects a lot of healing to take place and promises return for the best on Iowa politics podcast season of his career. Uh, with me today are Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief, Caleb McCullough. Good morning, Caleb. Good morning, Tom. Maybe Aaron can ask the extra-dimensional beings he meets this weekend uh, who's going to win the Senate election. I think that'll make our jobs a lot easier. <laughs> and uh, Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. I have to say, today is uh, National Potato Day, so I think it's fitting we're talking about state fair foods, um, considering the finisher was voted the top fair food of 2022. That was a baked potato with mac and cheese, pulled pork, and brisket. And I did vote for that one. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. I had that last weekend. Not the OMG chicken sandwich that's deep fried in sugar-coated cornflakes and has a Krispy Kreme donut bun. That wasn't the winner? Ah, nope. I am not a big Uh fan of donuts. (laughs) Well, maybe the people that ate them are in a diabetic coma and were not able to vote. Um, and Jared McNutt of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Jared. Uh, Tom, I think uh, Ayahuasca Retreat with uh, Aaron Rodgers might have uh, already been a song title from one of the bands we featured on the show uh, in the past. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, that might be the case. Uh, all right. So, kicking off, first up this week, President Joe Biden signed Democrats' landmark climate change and health care bill into law on Tuesday, uh, delivering what uh, he's called the final piece of his pared-down domestic agenda uh, as he aims to boost his party's standing with voters less than three months before the midterm elections. The legislation includes the most substantial federal investments uh, to fight climate change, some $375 billion over the decade. Uh, it would cap prescription drug costs at $2,000 uh, for out-of-pocket annual costs for Medicare recipients. It also would help an estimated 13 million Americans pay for health care insurance by extending subsidies provided during uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the measure is paid for by new taxes on large companies and stepped-up IRS enforcement of wealthy individuals and entities uh, with additional funds going to reduce the federal deficit. State Senator Liz Mathis, a Democrat who's running for Iowa's second congressional district seat, and Minnesota U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar, a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, held a roundtable discussion on Thursday in Cedar Rapids with healthcare professionals on the new bill. According to the White House, the act will cap prescription drug costs for hundreds of thousands of Iowa Medicare beneficiaries, uh, reduce health insurance premiums for tens of thousands of Iowans by about uh, $1,170 per year on average, and uh, expand coverage to about 15,000 Iowans, as well as cap insulin co-payments for uh, tens of thousands of, of Iowa Medicare beneficiaries uh, that use insulin. Uh, 
Iowa Republicans, including U.S. Representative Ashley Henson, who Mathis is running against, voted against the Inflation Reduction Act, arguing that uh, it represents more federal government taxing and spending and that it will not constrain inflation. Uh, The legislation, they argue, does not directly address some of the main drivers of surging prices from gas and groceries to to rents and um, um, meals at restaurants. Um, Sarah, the president and Democrats plan to take this new law and run on it in November. How do you think that will play with Iowa voters? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, hate to sound like a broken record as a political reporter, but you know, you always say we'll see, and it depends on what what uh, voters find uh, most important to them. So, Republicans are campaigning a little bit on this too, but um, just the fact that it deals with some popular. Uh, uh, agenda items that Biden and Democrats said that they were going to be running on, you know, in um, 2020, you know, reducing health care, drug prices, um, investing in fighting climate change and, re- and you know, reducing the federal deficit. So, you know, those are all um, fairly popular, but um, also it's called the Inflation Reduction Act and some, you know, analyses by uh, like the University of Pennsylvania show that it's probably going to have a negligible impact on inflation. So, um, you know, that's what Republicans are uh, campaigning on, too. So, um, you know, it's definitely at least it's a huge package of legislation that Democrats got done. And it does, you know, seniors reaching into their pockets for health insurance um, and uh, prescription drug prices uh, to pay for those might will um, see some relief. Uh, and so, you know, messaging on that, connecting that to this action that the Democrats got done can be a big win for Democrats. And, you know, Republicans will say that there are more IRS agents cracking down on the middle class or, um, uh, you know, that, um, that this doesn't have a huge impact on inflation. Um, so, you know, kind of only time will tell. Mm-hmm. And Jared, in the last several weeks, uh, President Biden and his allies have seen some some big wins, including um, signing into law this climate and prescription drug package, um, following through on some of his biggest campaign promises and, and long held objectives of Democrats, as Sarah mentioned. Um, Congress sent him bills um, on uh, gun safety legislation, uh, set out a plan to boost U.S. high tech manufacturing. A drone strike killed uh, Al-Qaeda leader uh, Ayman al-Zawari and average gas prices have fallen back to to $4 per gallon. Will these recent wins help boost his approval numbers in Iowa? And does this buy Biden some breathing room and maybe temporarily tamping down questions among top Democrats about whether he will or should run for re-election? Um, I think that maybe all of those things um, in concert will help his case for running for a second term. But what helps, too, is that there just hasn't been another figure that's risen up in the Democratic Party that could even challenge him or succeed him in a meaningful way. I mean, you know, there were 9,000 candidates running around in Iowa in 2020 in the Democratic primaries, but now the bench feels a little bit shallow. Um, Individually, though, with some of those wins, I, I don't know that you know, say a foreign policy item like killing a terrorist leader most people couldn't name uh, matters too much for a voter, short of like, you know, a disastrous war where American troops are dying in large numbers. A lot of voters don't seem to care too much about what U.S. foreign policy is anymore. Um, As for Iowa specifically, 
I know there was a Des Moines Register poll from from last month where 67% of Iowans said they don't want Joe Biden to run again or they hoped that he wouldn't run again. And even with Democrats, Biden only got 37% of people to say he should run again. Um, Maybe some of those numbers tick up with some of these legislative breakthroughs, but a lot of those breakthroughs are on issues that are now extremely partisan. So they can only help but so much in, in a place like Iowa that's becoming increasingly red. So um, maybe it helps a little bit on the margins, like uh, with the Inflation Reduction Act, but um, I don't know how deep the, the win will go with this. Yeah. So, I mean, we've we've consistently heard from Iowans and, and just Americans in general across the country that, um, you know, one of the top issues, if not the top issue for them right now um, is, is, is the economy. Um, you know, if, 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 you know, you're already predisposed to blame President Biden for the economy, you know, does this Inflation Reduction Act, you know, do anything to, to, to change those views? Probably not. And, and, uh, something I guess I failed to mention before is like over and over again, we've seen these polls where a lot of opinions on the economy do end up kind of fitting nicely with whatever like a person's political party is. So even when the economy is just humming right along, if the guy that's in uh, power is not from your party, you're probably going to find reasons to, to not like what's going on um, in the economy. All right. Well, moving on, it's Iowa State Fair season, as we mentioned. And you know what that means. Blistering heat, live music, livestock judging, pork chops on a stick, a butter cow, enough fried food to send you in a diabetic coma and plenty of glad-handing and stump speeches from candidates running for Iowa's statewide and national offices. Caleb, you've been at the State Fair uh, the last week listening and covering the candidates' uh, speeches at the Des Moines Register Political Soapbox. Um, who was there? Uh, who did you hear from? And who won't we hear from? Yeah, so we we heard from quite a few candidates, uh, mostly Democratic candidates. So you had Deidre DeGier and Mike Franken, the Democrats running for governor and Senate, um, all the Democratic House candidates spoke. And then Zach Nunn, a Republican running in the third district, also spoke. And then you had various candidates for state auditor, attorney general, secretary of state, those kind of state level administrative um, positions. Um, but yeah, the big theme and who we didn't hear from was Republicans in less than competitive districts or races. So the governor and Chuck Grassley both chose not to speak at it. Um, they were at the fair uh, for several different days and, you know, doing um different, you know, making appearances. Uh, Governor Reynolds signed um, some legislation on or a a proclamation honoring the upcoming submarine, the USS Iowa, in a public event, but they they weren't uh, doing any campaign speeches. So what role does the state fair and the political soapbox play for these candidates and their campaigns and, and how important is it? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, just by numbers, you know, even even you know Mike Franken and Deidre DeGier, who had the biggest crowds, I would say that I was at. Um, you know, they had maybe close to a hundred people, um, uh, high, you know, seventies, eighties, um, and you know, I think a lot of candidates have twenty to a few dozen people show up um, specifically to hear them. That's not really going to help your campaign because those people are probably already going to vote for you. Um, they do get, uh, you know people walking by stop and listen um, once in a while. And that kind of, that, 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 you know, brings up those numbers and, and, you know, that that's helpful, you know, getting your name out there and getting people who may not be as 
involved um, to know who you are and listen to what your message is. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think the, the soapbox is more useful um, during caucus years for presidential candidates because even just the media um, attention that that gets is helpful for them. But yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, part of the campaign. So I'm not sure though. Yeah. So um, I was I was asked this uh, the other day about um, kind of, you know, what do you see as kind of the reasonings or maybe the, the political calculations for why um, some of these Republican candidates decided not to participate in the soapbox? You know, what do they stand to gain? And I guess maybe what what do they avoid um, by by not participating? Yeah, I mean, that again, I, that that's hard to say. And, and I, I I don't think anyone's um, asked that specifically, but I mean, I think a lot of, you know, if you look at um, Kim Reynolds and Chuck Grassley, they're both have fairly comfortable leads in their elections. Um, they, they're not trying to get name recognition. Um, they're not, uh, you know, heavily campaigning at all right now. Uh, and so maybe it was, you know, just not worth the time. Um, maybe they didn't want to be, uh, you know, have to put their, yeah, maybe it wasn't worth the time or, or not, not wanting to kind of, um, be in, ha- have that, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. yeah, no, I, 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 I know what you mean. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I have a quick question. Do they ask, do, do they let the audience like ask questions at the soapbox? So they can, uh, they, the, the setup is the, the candidates get 20 minutes and then don't, and then they can do whatever they want with it. So a few candidates did leave some time for questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. To they, you know, didn't see anything, any reason to stand up there. And if, if, a, if a lot of Democrats or Democratic operatives, that, you know, ask, ask them questions that they may not have wanted to answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely see it as, you know, um, being in, in, in the, a race, you know, where you've got a comfortable lead. Um, so, you know, why potentially expose yourself to, to hecklers or put yourself in a situation where you can put your foot in your mouth or have some sort of political gaffe. Um, I think back to um, uh, Mitt Romney's comment at the state fair about, you know, corporations or people and, you know, how, <laughs> how, how that, um, you know, has followed him around, uh, you know, since then. Um and then honestly, um, I, um, honestly, more than uh, hecklers or anything, the thing I would always be worried about as a candidate at any state fair type events is just looking like an absolute maniac eating food because there's no dignified way to eat a lot of those fair foods. So like the, the soapbox is fine. Maybe you get a heckler or two, but just, you know, go do the soapbox and then avoid eating anything at all. That, that, that would be the move. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no dignified way um, to to eat a corn dog, right? I mean, any 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 picture no. anybody's gonna take of you, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And you could be uh, like, you know, directly compared to your um, opposing candidate, and like, what if you don't get as big of a crowd as your other candidate? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Caleb, uh, former Vice President Mike Pence uh, is scheduled to campaign with uh, Iowa Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley and others at the fair today. Um, Pence remains somewhat of a controversial figure in GOP politics. Um, He's rumored to be considering a run for the presidency in 2024. Um, Former President Donald Trump uh, has blamed Pence for failing to have the, you know, quote, courage 
to stop the certification of President Biden's um, uh, electoral victory in the in the 2020 election. And Pence this week said that uh, he would consider an invitation to testify before the House committee investigating the January 6th um, uh, Capitol riot. So, so, Caleb, I guess, what type of reception do you think Pence will get at the Iowa State Fair? And will we hear any news out of the former vice president about a 2024 presidential run? Yeah, this will be interesting. I mean, Pence has been to Iowa before and seems to get a pretty warm welcome. You know, being the state for the last week, um, you definitely see people with, you know, uh, Trump shirts or even F Biden shirts on. Those more committed uh, Trump fans might not be happy about seeing Pence there. Um, But I think a lot of Iowa Republicans either are indifferent to or admire Pence. He kind of represents a more respectable, uh, palatable version of the hardline conservatism that Trump represented. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like he's gotten pretty decent reception so far. Um, as far as a 24 presidential run, I, I'm not expecting we'll get much more information than we already have. I mean, I don't think he's going to use today to announce his candidacy or anything. Maybe, um, you know, asking pretty direct questions can get a little more light on what he's thinking, how he's considering it. But I mean, obviously being here at the state fair, it's pretty obvious not that he's, uh, he's planning on, on launching a run for the president. Yeah. And then, so I guess what, what is this, what does this do for, for Grassley? I guess I just thought about, um, because he's been endorsed by Trump, right. And, and he's kind of played up that endorsement depending on, you know, the venue he's in, the, the, the crowd he's trying, trying to appeal to. What does this do for, for Grassley to, to have Pence there campaigning for? Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I hope, uh, we get the chance to ask um, some questions about that because yeah, that is uh, something that I thought about as well. I mean, you know, at this point uh, Pence is pretty clear about um, separating himself from Trump and Trump is pretty obviously (laughs) clear about how he doesn't like Mike Pence. Um, But uh, you know, I think Grassley's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, playing the, uh, or taking the, the representation he can get, um, you know, when he got that Trump endorsement, um, it's pretty, he even said, right, it would be stupid to, to reject the endorsement when uh, he has such a high approval rating among Republicans. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if Chuck Grassley has any specific lo- loyalty. I mean, I, I, I can't speculate, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so yeah, I think he's, you know, um, Ted Cruz was here for him yesterday as well. Uh, just kind of getting that, getting that attention when he can't. Not in a cynical way, just in a, you know, he's running for Senate way. Right, right. All right. Um, And finally this week, speaking of uh, Chuck Grassley, um, the uh, Iowa Republican senator was called out over remarks that he made last week on Fox and Friends, speculating whether the IRS would use increased funding from the Inflation Reduction Act to send armed units of agents into small Iowa businesses. Um. Grassley on the program said, quote, are they going to have a strike force that goes in with AK-15s already loaded, ready to shoot some small business person in Iowa with these? Because I think they're going after middle class and small business people because they think that anybody that has passed through income is a crook and they aren't paying their fair share. And we're going to go after them, Grassley said. Um, Democrats blasted the remarks as inaccurate, irresponsible, and incendiary. Um, Fact-checking website PolitiFact called claims that new funding to beef up IRS enforcement uh, included in the recently passed law would would militize the IRS as as outlandish. Um, Democrats, too, note that uh, the IRS has already made it explicitly clear that its focus would be on suspected corporate and high-income tax evaders. 
not middle class and small business people, and that the funding is meant to reverse staffing and budget cuts. Uh, Treasury Department officials have said that most of the new hires would go toward filling positions for some 50,000 IRS employees who um, are on the verge of retirement and, and that the majority of net new hires would serve in customer service roles like upgrading IT systems or, or answering calls. Um, Jared, what was your reaction to Grassley's comment and what does his use of, of this rhetoric, I guess, say about Grassley, you know, once seen as, as a, you know, normally sober conservative voice that, you know, you, you might find on Capitol Hill and, and maybe the increasingly blurry line between the fringe and prominent Republican voices. Well, uh, on on one level, it is kind of a, a funny image to imagine like a, a paper pushing IRS guy kicking in someone's door because they, they filled out the wrong form on some inane document. That's, uh, that's quite the image to be crafting. And it's maybe something that would have been in like the movie, the other guys. Uh, I don't know. Um, the, the comment itself, e- even from someone as high profile in the Republican Party as Grassley, isn't entirely surprising because the IRS in particular has been a bugaboo for the GOP for decades. Um, you know, going back 10 years or so, one of the first bills that House Republicans introduced in 2011 after the, the Tea Party wave of 2010, it really took a special aim at the IRS. Um He's a little more fringe, but, you know, Ron Paul went after the IRS the entire time he was a congressman going all the way back to, to the 90s when he first got in. So so this kind of uh, animus toward the IRS in particular has been around for a while. But as you kind of mentioned in your question, there, there is an increasingly blurry line between the folks who used to, to criticize the IRS a lot in the Republican Party, which, you know, back in the day was a little bit more fringe and now, you know, Everybody is uh, is worrying about these IRS guys uh, coming in and uh, choppers and kicking down their doors. I guess um, I, I should note uh, too that uh, there was a Gallup poll from last year that I looked up um, that had an approval rating for the IRS at about fifty percent, which means it's a little more well regarded than like some other federal agencies, but it's still you know not stellar. So even in the broader populace, there isn't a great abiding love of the IRS. And, and that makes it a little easier to say this kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah, I guess, it, it, you know, it, it's one thing to, you know, kind of criticize the the, the IRS. Um, seems like, you know, a completely other, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so um, I guess, um, how, how do you think Grassley's, I guess, comments uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll play with voters, you know, do you see this being, you know, something that um, makes its way, you know, in, into this, into this race that it becomes kind of an, an election issue. We've seen the Franken campaign, you know, kind of seize on this a little bit, at least in, in social media posts. Um, th- this maybe feels like more of those kind of uh, like uh, gaffes, if that's what we want to call it, that, maybe gets a little bit of uh, juice for, for Franken and, and Democrats in Iowa in the next like week or two weeks or so. But it's harder to imagine something like this having a longer shelf life unless we keep seeing these kinds of like uh, invectives uh, against the, the IRS popping up down the line closer to election time. All righty. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoyed it, Tell your friends and subscribe to us on any number of streaming audio services, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. 
Uh, if you have questions uh, or topics to discuss or you just want to reach out, you can send an email to podcasts at thegazette.com. And now that you've listened to On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure that you also subscribe to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll get all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. Um, you can subscribe to that On Iowa Politics newsletter at uh, thegazette.com. Uh, and lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Scarlet Runner will play us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Caleb, Sarah, Jared, and our producer Stephen, I'm Tom Barton. Thanks for listening.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.